Welcome to Grace in 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Sal Dietrich, the co-host of Grace in 30, a show to inspire people to find their higher purpose in their lives, families, and organizations. There's a lot of talk these days about building businesses that are successful while also creating value with organizations and, and folks like Conscious Capitalism and Shared Value Initiative in Boston leading the way. A number of business leaders believe this is best accomplished by building what some people refer to as kingdom businesses, businesses that honor the biblical doctrine of work and its higher purpose. Today, we're joined by Kelly Leonard, the president and CEO of Taylor Leonard Corporation, a local woman-owned training, business development, and IT consulting business. She's also the author of an online ebook and the host of Small Business University TV, a program aired in Montgomery County. And she's a representative of the Nehemiah Project Ministries, an organization dedicated to building and equipping kingdom businesses. Wow, Kelly's here to join uh, join us, talk about her what's in her heart about promoting a higher purpose in business and also for helping women and couples in their personal and professional lives. Kelly, welcome to Grace in 30. Thank you for having me, Sal. It's a pleasure being here. Look, let's jump right in. Um, tell us about Taylor Leonard and, and what you're doing there. What do you guys do every day as a, as a company? Wow, that's a loaded question because every day is a, a different day, and that's part of what I love uh, about what I do is that every day is a new adventure. But at the core, we are a training, business development, and IT consultancy. On the IT side, we are um, our core expertise are cyber, cloud, and customer relationship management, or CRM, as well as social CRM. And because I have a corporate training background, a lot of what I do to support the company is on the training side. So I primarily, I would say probably 80% of how I contribute to the organization's bottom line is in the social CRM space, specifically training our clients on how to use tools like LinkedIn for branding, business development, and recruiting purposes. Right. And how did you uh, personally uh, become involved with the Nehemiah Project and, and sort of other ventures to promote the integration of faith and work. How did that come about for you? Well, it, it was a, a matter of, it was a necessity, bottom line. Uh, so my husband, Jerome, started our company, Taylor Leonard Corporation. And in uh, 2010, we had a really unique opportunity that allowed me to come on board with the, the company. Now, up until that time, I had a pretty successful career with General Electric. I was with them for about 13 years. and had a master a very nice salary by, by the world's good. definition. Yeah. And so when I left GE in 2010, an interesting thing happened. They had the audacity to stop paying me. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that happens. Hate when that happens. <laughs> and so as an entrepreneur, it was sort of new to me to sort of have to to um, you know build business and this whole business development and sales putting on that new hat because yeah. I was accustomed to being in that environment where that was all sort of provided by the sales team. And so it really put us in a really unique position in that when I left GE, my salary, my six-figure salary went away. And you can imagine here in the DC area, when you have six figures suddenly leave your household income, it puts a lot of stress in the finances. And so that financial stress then dripped over into our, it resulted in marital stress. And quite frankly, because 
you know, we were open enough to just share some of the challenges that we had with um, a handful of our spiritual leaders. One of them said, hey, you know what, if you're going to do this business right, if you're going to grow a successful, sustainable business, you're really going to need to include Jesus in the center of it. Yep. And so he then made an introduction to the founder of Nehemiah Project, Patrice Saguet, introduced us to Patrice. And um, thank God my husband was uh, wise enough to sit down long enough to say to, to really see the value in Nehemiah Project and the biblical entrepreneurship curriculum. So he went through the curriculum. I sort of watched him vicariously, and, and I saw how him taking that curriculum, it not only transformed our business, but it transformed our marriage, his dealings with our children, our community, yeah. our church. And so we, I saw a really unique integration of faith into our work life. Yeah, so here you were both two successful professionals. You know, you, you had some adversity, you decided to pull it together around your faith. And it's, it's been a huge thing after that. That's great to see. You know, tell us what is a, a kingdom business? What does that mean? I, I was on some websites, you know, checking it out, and, and it's really interesting. Uh, you know, I was looking, I think, a colleague of yours, uh, Robert uh, Fukia, I think yeah, his name yeah. is. And, you know, it's interesting. He, he talks about the various pillars of a kingdom business. Yes. Tell us what a kingdom business is. So really, a kingdom business is one that, grows beyond looking at the triple bottom line of maybe a social enterprise. We all hear about social enterprises and social entrepreneurship where the focus is on people, planet, and profitability. A kingdom business looks at the quadruple bottom line. So not only people pro, um, people and the process and profitability, but also looking at what is the eternal impact that that business can have, not only on the business owner as the, the steward of the company, but what's the transformational impact that that enterprise is having on the employees, on the community, on the right. local church, on your suppliers, your vendors, and yes, even your competitors. So really looking at the eternal potential impact that that enterprise can have and building it in such a way where it glorifies God. Right. He says, you know, uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, a kingdom business understands God's purpose. And yes. he, he talks about, you know, in Chronicles 29, everything in the heavens and on earth is God. So we have this phenomenal ability to to create things and to influence things. And, and we need to be doing that in God's light. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a huge responsibility when you think about it, that we're called to be co-creators. <laughs> so we're partners in our business enterprise and our lives with the creator of the universe. And so it's really it really puts an exciting spin on how we're able to impact our local marketplaces. Yeah, that's right. You know, sort of sites that that kingdom businesses should be innovative. Yes. In essence, and, and he says here, you know, in Deuteronomy, you know, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. Mm -hmm. In essence, take that spirit and look around you at these opportunities in, in the light of God. You know, don't be selfish. Don't don't, you know, follow his ways, but be creative. Use all of your talents for good. And I, I love that. He says, you know, a, a kingdom business is marked by by excellence. Yes. Right. And he says, you know, he refers to you know Ecclesiastes nine. He says, whatever your hands find to do do it with all your might. And I love that yes. one. That one really uh, sinks in, I think, with so many uh, things that we try and do on the show where we try and p find people, help people to find their higher purpose, mm -hmm. to find their joy in their, their personal life, their marriage, uh, in their organization. And, uh, you know, I think that kingdom businesses are just at the heart of this as I read through, you know, some of the tenets of it. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really tapping into and having that alignment 
when you look at statistically, so many people are dissatisfied with what they're doing professionally. And oftentimes that's because there's this misalignment. You know, are you really operating in the will of God? And so, you know, by taking this approach where you're really having greater alignment and tapping into your gifts and your talents, and you're using that to trade, it becomes a, a, a different, you have a different feeling when you wake up in the morning and you know that there's alignment and you know that you're working um, for a higher purpose, the purpose that you were uniquely created and born to live out. Well, that's right. And this really, I think, gets into so many aspects of what can truly make a business successful when you invite God into it. You know, there's a book uh, by Clay Christensen, Christensen, one of the most famous sort of, um, you you know, uh, not starters, but names in Silicon Valley. He wrote uh, The Innovator's Dilemma which is sort of the hallmark of how businesses, you know, developed in Silicon Valley. And, and then after surviving cancer, he later went on to write a book called How Will Your Life Be Measured? Mm. And he, as a Harvard graduate, very successful graduate and professor at Harvard, would often go back and meet with his colleagues every five years at their reunions. And he found that most of them were just miserable. Yes. Uh, that they were divorced, uh, that most of them really had no idea what they wanted to do in life. And in fact, two of his uh, college um uh, friends uh, one, were in jail. One of them wow. was Jeffrey Skelling. He went to school wow. with Jeffrey Skelling, who was the, the head of Enron. Yes. Uh, and so he talks about how important it is to find that higher purpose mm-hmm. early and how he, he sort of makes this broad claim. It says that the graduating class of Harvard University really has no idea what they're supposed to do in life. <laughs> and, and I think there's a lot of push into this area now, whether it's strength finders in other yes. ways. And, and, and I, what I love about what you folks are doing is this emphasis on, on the gospel, and on finding God as sort of the baseline of that. Um, you know, there's a book by a, a gentleman here in Arlington, a very successful businessman, uh, Dennis Bakke, wrote a book called The Joy of Work. Mm. And uh, he actually was the founder of AES, okay. uh, which he grew from a company, um, literally, as he said, driving down the road with a friend to a $40 billion company with 30,000 employees around the world. Wow. And he talks about if you have that joy, how you can permeate that into so many different areas and I don't know how you could find that joy unless God is the center of all of that absolutely but when you even think of the joy of work in the natural that sounds like an oxymoron right because so many people view work as a curse and they'll even you know try to turn scripture around to make it seem as though work is a curse but it's so interesting because in the in the Hebrew the word for work is the same word for worship so avodah and so when you think about the fact that, wow, God created Avodah, so our work is our higher, highest expression of worship to God. And so if we work with a, with the, in the spirit of excellence and if we work with this joy that he talks about in the, in the book, you know, then, then we're, we're taking on and, and work becomes, a, it takes on new meaning for us when we think of our work as a form of worship unto our creator. Oh yeah, your whole attitude at work, I think every day would change. And, and so tell us a little bit more about the Nehemiah Project and your personal involvement in it and, and the biblical entrepreneurship and how that all comes about, the, the program and, and how it helps folks. So um, Nehemiah Project is a global training and coaching organization that also provides Christian entrepreneurs with access to capital. 
because you know the the right. challenge is when you think about startups that access to capital is is a is a challenge and so of course we need investors in order to birth successful kingdom enterprises and to support and sow back into kingdom enterprises as well and so initially a lot of entrepreneurs will and or you know traditional w2 employees will come to us thinking you know what i know that god is calling me to do something else but i just don't know what that something else is and so Biblical entrepreneurship is a three-part accredited curriculum that looks at the different phases of business and application. So regardless of where an enterprise is in its business life cycle, whether it's just a, an innovator that has a creative idea that they're exploring all the way up to a, a company where maybe they're more mature and they're looking for a succession plan, through this three-part curriculum, we're able to meet the needs of that biblical entrepreneur. And so through BE1, which is principles of biblical entrepreneurship, we start out with laying the groundwork. That's where the foundation, where we're able to show them alignment between sort of God's definition of biblical economics. What's the definition of biblical profit? What are the characteristics of a biblical entrepreneur? How do you solve problems from a biblical perspective? From there, the 16-hour curriculum goes into plan or practices of a biblical entrepreneur. So that's BE2. In, in BE2, we're examining the more practical applications. So these are tactical, strategic, operational type of um, conversations that we look at that regardless of whether it's a faith-based business or a quote-unquote secular business, it, these are op, um, ideas and, and infrastructure-related um, items that we have to address, sales and marketing. Uh, market research, your management, your administration, your legal structure, things like that. And then from there, we move into biblical uh, BE3, which is planning a biblical kingdom business. And from there, what we're doing is we're building structure around the actual business or strategic plan or operating plan, depending on where the company is. Now, you talked about uh, legal and, and uh, how do you how do things like owner's equity come into this? I mean, certainly, uh, there's a certain sharing of that at times when it makes sense, mm -hmm. but you know it's uh, in essence I, I I might liken this to you know if everyone's invested, then let, let everyone share. Is that something that's common in these businesses or or no? No, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. I mean, we take on a we may look or look at that complexity once we get through to the access to capital piece in terms of right. what does that look like structurally and having investors, things like that. And at what point do you sort of shepherd a business towards that investment capital when they've reached a certain stage or they've been with you folks for so many years and they're ready to make that leap, you sort of continue to mentor them and work through that? Yeah, and it, re it really depends. Like, so to your point, there's some companies where when you think about it now with technology and other um, types of enterprises, some people can bootstrap their business. They don't need investors per se. Right. But then you've got others where, yeah, they're very capital intensive and so they do need investors angel investors, which these are truly angel investors, because these are investors that have gone through the biblical entrepreneurship curriculum as well. So they, you know, when when the, the lender as well as the business owner have that same foundational knowledge, it's a wonderful marriage that can be created. And so really, it just depends on the organization. But in order to participate in Nehemiah Project's capital um, program, the company does have to complete all three parts of the curriculum, BE1, 2, and 3, because again, then we know that they have the foundational requirements that our investors require of them in order to even consider them as an investment. 
Got it. Okay. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, the idea of having a fund for good is interesting. I'm always amazed at how quickly there is sort of a spot market or a fund uh, for greed, which is, you know, this sort of high risk, high venture thing called the lottery. Right. And I'm always amazed when I see those numbers get four or five hundred million dollars. God, what could we could do so much good with that money? Yes. uh, You know, if we could get people to structure and think about, hey, I'm going to give this dollar to a bunch of startups for good. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a lot of risk there, but there's going to be a lot of reward. And you, you never see that. Right. You know, right. it all goes sort of towards this high risk, low payout. Hey, here's the lottery. Hey, we're going to win it. Um, you know, in taking a look at your at your website, your LinkedIn profile, uh, a few things uh, seem to emerge here, you know, um, and we want to make sure we drill down on sort of the networking piece of this. But um you know, couples in business. Mm-hmm. Talk talk about that. My brother ha- and and my sister in law had a business together for probably fifteen years, and I don't know how they did it. But um, <laughs> you know, you can work successfully with your spouse. Yes. And, and as you point out, in today's market where people are virtual, uh, whether you are in the same business or not, you may be working out of the same household yes. for many years. Tell tell us about how how um, through Nehemiah Project, you and your husband came to to have some peace. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny. I always liken to working with your spouse to driving on, let's say, 495 or 270. As long as you stay in your lane, no one gets hurt, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> So great. it's understanding your strengths and, and what you bring to the relationship, as well as understanding and covering your spouse's strengths and really respecting those boundaries. So, you know, I I think that that's the biggest challenge is that everyone just respecting each other's boundaries, everyone um, uh, having this this level of honor in terms of understanding each other's gifting and and allowing a person to sort of be the very best that they can be in their lane. And so that's really where I think the challenge is because it amazes me, even the number of pastors that'll, we talk to them like, oh, I could never work with my spouse. And I'm thinking, well, you married them, right? Right. And I really truly believe that that's just like a lie from the pit of hell that you can't work with your spouse. Because I think, again, it's, I think it's a beautiful thing when, when God brings two people together, a husband and a wife in marriage. But then when you take that and take it to the next level and bring them together in business, then there's this uh, this elevated level of community that is just you I can't even I can't describe it. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it, it does have its challenges, but again, like I said, as long as the relationship is um, you know, you've got great communication and as long as you respect the boundaries and this means even boundaries outside of work because I know my husband and I the challenge that we have is because we work in our passion, we're very excited about it, and it doesn't feel like work. And so it becomes difficult to turn it off, where it's like 24 hours a day, we feel like we want to talk about something related to the business or to Nehemiah Project. And so I think that's the most difficult thing, is knowing when to turn it off. Yeah, it's another level of engagement and excitement, and, and you're able to focus that on your business because it's your higher passion. Uh, talk to us about women in business. You you have a lot of networking experience there. Um, you know, uh, young women, young entrepreneurs. I was just reading an article in the Post where there's a big push now to get young women uh, in computer programming yes. and these these higher skill uh, jobs. There's a lot, as Governor McAuliffe said, there's forty thousand unfilled IT tech jobs yes. in Northern Virginia, and he said, "Hey, they're going to go to Maryland. They're going to go to the Carolinas if we can't fill them." Um, advice for women in business, especially as it focuses on bringing your faith and uh, you know staying faithful in your business practices. Uh, give us some thoughts for women out there. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is identifying a mentor and a sponsor um, and just looking at your your surroundings. You know, who are the people that you associate with? 
and looking and it's funny i always think to myself well if i'm always the smartest person in the room i'm in the wrong room that's right and so it's looking at who are the people that are encouraging you who are the people that inspire you and there's no shortage of people who are willing to help individuals who are willing to help themselves and so you've got such a especially women in technology because that that's such one of those fields where there's so few women in leadership in particular in technology if you can just show yourself to be um, aggressive and hungry for information and have this willingness to just have this really strong work ethic, there's so many people, so many women that will just take you under their wing and mentor you and or sponsor you so that you are insured to have some level of success in your profession. And part of this is, is being gracious, which oh, is something yes. I'm trying to teach my children at a young age is be gracious to everyone because it comes back to you in ways that only God God can do that. Yes. And it, and it comes back to you in special ways. It may not come back to you for 10, 15 years, but it does come back to you. And I think for for young entrepreneurs is that idea of you're, you're never too early to be a connector yourself. Absolutely. If you run into someone and you, you meet their business, pass that along, it, it comes back to you. People respect that when you do that. And, and show grace in that, and, and your name will, will grow in... in and, uh, you know, I, I think about, you know, in the gospel, uh, you know, the story, uh, Matthew talks about, uh, you know, the servant who did not share his talents, mm. but, but those who did saw a great multiplication yes. in that. And he says, go forth and multiply yes. in this way. And, and so much of that is based on, you know, our own reputation every day and how we interact with people in very small ways, how mm -hmm. that comes back to, uh, to us every day. Do you agree? Uh, oh, absolutely. I'm a big believer in you reap what you sow so often. We confuse it with reaping where we sow. And so, you know, you've got people who have this this um, impression that, well, if I do good to Sal, Sal should do good to me. Right. But that's not necessarily the case. It's we reap what we sow. And so it, to the extent that I can show um, and, and, and sow gratitude and graciousness and humility and excellence and all these other things into other people's lives, then I am going to be the recipient of that as well. And that should, if nothing more, that should encourage us to do more good to the people that we know and don't know. Because to your point, yeah, we just never know how that might return to us. That's right. I, I you know, We were uh, out shopping this weekend in a store in, in Alexandria, Rabini Jewelers. I'll give them a shout out that we've <laughs> visited since we got engaged. And uh, Jaime Rubini there is uh, probably one of the best rowers and row, row coaches in Northern Virginia, certainly in Alexandria. And my, my oldest is interested in this now. Oh, wow. And so he was giving her some tips. And so I said, look, you know, this is how this, this, is how this comes back to yes. you. You don't never expect to make these correlations. Mm -hmm. But if you, you act in this way, if you act through grace, these things come back to you. God finds a way to put you in the right place with the right people, good people. Right. And that's a critical thing, I think, yeah. for, for young entrepreneurs is, you know, especially young small businesses, it's, it's, it's tempting, you know, to take a contract, to sort of, you know, look through the clauses, mm. look through the agreements and say, well, well, we don't have to do that. We might not do that. Mm -hmm. Maybe we won't deliver exactly what was promised mm -hmm. in there. Maybe we stretch the truth a little bit to get the win. You know, that that's part of business. But at the same time, you have to own up to that. And your reputation is, is everything. And if it's not grounded in your faith, mm -hmm. you're going to be all over the place. Yeah. And you're going to be dealing with some very heavy people, especially when you get into federal contracts oh, and federal they call government. Them beltway bandits, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, Stephen Covey talked a lot about um, 
the emotional bank account. Mm, yes. You know, and you got to build that up first. How do you do that every day through prayer, through through your relationship with your family? Tell us a little bit about how you keep building that bank account every day because it can get low. It you can. know, and people can bring you low. Yeah. But, you know, you've got a lot of positive energy. I mean, you're lighting this place up. <laughs> It helps that I have on this bright jacket too. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No one can see that. But yeah, I mean, I think it's so important that we take care of ourselves. It's almost like you think about when you're on that flight and they talk about put your own oxygen mask on first before you take care of your children. And there's a reason for that. You know, we need to take care of ourselves so that we can be in a position to care for others, whether the others are our family members or our clients, our, our peer community, our local church, and so forth. Right. And so I think it's so important that we start with ourselves. And so as much as I can, you know, I slow down long enough to spend that quiet time because I think that is critical because, you know, we live in this 24-hour society, and it's, it's easy to get caught up in the noise um, of just day to day. And so those quiet times are, are critical for me. Especially with Twitter and Facebook yes. and all this nonsense that people, I literally see people, they look like robots. They sort of take a step and stop and they sort of stutter as you watch them kind of looking at the phone <laughs> and you think, man, what is that doing to someone's brain? Right. Or just their their attitude. Yes. Look, uh, you know, you've been, uh, you've had the Small Business University show for just over six years right yes, now, right? Yeah. And as we know, you know, the five-year mark is the uh, the mark of any successful business. Oh. <laughs> so very successful. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank T- tell you. Tell us about that. What are you doing in the Small Business University, and, and how can people get involved with it? So it's funny. So the Small Business University originally came into being when uh, years ago when I left GE and I didn't have, I didn't know how to network, I didn't know anything about sales or business development, and I started going around the Beltway to different networking events. And so there were things that I liked about some and things, elements that I didn't like about others. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to create my own networking event. So then I'm going to take the best elements of what I've seen in different events in the area, and I'm going to take all those things and I'm going to extract all the things that I don't like. Mm. And so I had started having these smaller events once a month where we would gather together in a local coffee shop and just talk business. And years later, my the now host of the program, Montgomery Community Media, the executive director there, Merlin Reinecke, um, got wind of this program that I was having. He said, you know what, we, we need to do more to support local economic development. It's one of our, our challenges or one of the, the requirements that county council has of us. And so can we partner together? And that was music to my ears. I was like, absolutely. That's great. <laughs> and so initially it was just called Small Business Networking. And about two or three years into the program, one of the local credit unions who owns the name Small Business University got wind of our success. And they said, hey, we want to partner with you. Can we be the title sponsor? And so they came on board as, as the title sponsor for the program. Fantastic. So, yeah, it's been a wonderful, wonderful way to just give back to the small business community as well as entrepreneurs in Montgomery and surrounding county, counties. And so it's really grown beyond Montgomery County, which has been really super exciting. And so what is an episode, an episode day in the life kind of thing? What does an episode go through and, and who might be some of the people on there? What, what's what's one of the, the weeks like? So on any given, so it's a monthly program. Okay. We typically get together once a month, the third Thursday of the month, which is would be tomorrow, but we're actually going to do it on Friday this month and it's very early so it's 
It's multiple iterations of the program. So on the one hand, we've got the live event, which takes place actually in the television studio. So we open up with 30 minutes of just open networking. We serve a light breakfast. Then we go into the television studio. We break up into smaller networking groups. And in those six, those groups of anywhere from six to eight people, you have an opportunity to dig deeper into sharing what it is that your business does, the value that they provide, maybe a challenge that you're having in your business. And then at, um, uh, at the eight o'clock hour, we have a regional thought leader who will come on and share content that's relevant to the business community. So for example, last month we had Tamika Montgomery, who's a presidential appointee. She oversees yeah. Small Business Administration's Office of Entrepreneurial Development. This Friday, we have Congressman-elect Jamie Raskin, who will be in. He'll be talking about sort of what's coming down the pike in terms of small business and entrepreneurship on a, on a state and federal level. That's great. Look, at the end of every show, we're run, We're getting close. 30 minutes goes by far <laughs> too fast. Uh, you know, Kelly, give a call to action for all of our listeners, Some, something that's just in your heart that you'd like to say to folks here in the D.C. area. Uh, about their faith in business and and just help us wrap up the show. Just a quick 30-second call to action for people. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is you can do it. I mean, I would just challenge you to dig deep, to identify your purpose. There's no better time than the end of the year and the start of a new year to really look at where you are and ask yourself in your heart of hearts, Is are you operating in your purpose? And if you're not, I would challenge you to pick up a good book. I mean, if it's Purpose Driven Life or some other book like that to really figure out, God, why am I here and what is it that you would have me to do? And just run after it. Find someone who can mentor you and go for it. You can do it. You are equipped. You are well able. That's great. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. I, I appreciate the time. It, it, listeners, if you want to find out more about Kelly's consulting business, check out their website at taylor-leonard.com. More information on the Nehemiah Project at nehemiahproject.org. We'll be posting a replay of this show on the WR website 24 hours uh, after this show. Uh, the show will also re-air this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. This is uh, Sal Dietry signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7. Have a great night and be sure to tune in to Grace.